welcome everybody to episode 71 of High Tech on the Low. Gil, how are you this morning? Excellent. Amazing, amazing. I love that energy. I love it. We're here. We're ready to talk about it. We're very excited to have you here with Gil Amid, uh, co-founder of Fortelix in the building. We're going to get to talking about that. And as always, we are sponsored by Front Team with its 12 different communities, six verticals and 3,000 members all looking to connect. Um, and, you know, the very interesting part today that we get to make certain connections with is in the world of automotive and the world of how we are connecting all these disparate elements to kind of create more automated driving, you know, safety and all this stuff. And we're going to get more deeply into that in a little bit. In the meantime, I'd love to understand a little bit more about who you are, Gil, and your background. And if you could also introduce yourself to uh, the people at home. Okay, sure. So, uh, Gilamid, unfortunately, you don't see me. So, if you would have seen me, you would have noticed immediately that I'm not your typical startup co-founder. How is it that? It is what do you starting think? by the color of my hair, which is very gray. Okay. And I must indicate that our other co-founders and founder, some of them have has no hair at all. Some of them also very gray. So, so that means, so if they have no hair, that means you're, you just don't know their age at this point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So practically, uh, the startup is quite a young one, about four years uh, old. We started in 2018. Mm -hmm. uh, however, our previous career for all the three co-founders and me specifically is a very long career in the chip design industry or semiconductor industry. Sure. Uh, I worked for Intel for 30 years retired from Intel in 2016. Uh -huh. uh, 2017, sort of, uh, we started to brainstorm and discuss uh, the idea behind the uh, Fortelix. And 2018, we put the pedal to the metal and started uh, running uh, ahead with Fortelix. Can you still put the pedal to the metal with Fortelix? These uh, days? Yes, because uh, <laughs> if you want to know more about self-driving cars or autonomous vehicles, so you have two levels of these. You have the driver assistance systems, which assume that there is a driver, which right. put the pedal to the metal. Okay. Sometimes if you turn on adaptive cruise control, you don't have to, put to do it. <laughs> okay. And there are the self-driving cars or autonomous vehicles, fully autonomous vehicles, which you don't have a driver. Okay. And then, no, no pedal. Right, no pedal to the metal. Then, then, yeah. then the robot's doing it or whatever, right? The, the exactly. AI. Okay, amazing. So. Let's let's you know dive in a little bit to what you know Fortelix is because you know what I know about you guys is you know enough, but I don't think the people at home necessarily understand. So where do you guys fit into this whole automated driving uh, world? Because as you even said now, there are two levels, and yeah. I imagine there are even more complexities. Yeah. So let's start. In order to understand our role, you need to look a little bit into what is a self-driving car. Sure. And first of all, it's a car. Okay. Now you take the car. And with all the mechanics and engine, brakes, wheels, everything, nothing is changing. And you put on top of it a system which will drive by itself. Okay. So this system needs to replace the human, which means it needs to look around and understand the world right, around you. Right, be aware you, and everything. Be aware and then decide what to do. Okay. Where to go and how to go, how fast. Which sounds, everything that you just said sounds very simple. Yeah, very but simple. But that difficult. system of sensing the world and deciding what to do is a combination of new hardware 
and software. Okay. And usually when you take software, the immediate association is, is bugs. Okay. Which means it does not always work, right. unfortunately. Unfortunately, are, which in the driving space is a big problem. It's a big problem, especially if the person that identifies that the system doesn't work is the pedestrian in front of the car, <laughs> right? That's not something that you want to be in. Exactly. So what we developed is a software system that enables you to test and simulate the autonomous uh, part of the car mm. with computer models. You okay. can exercise it in many, many variations. And uh, as long as you exercise it and, and uh, test it, your confidence that it will do the right thing is increasing. Okay. So uh, a lot before you actually put the vehicle on the road, sure. you can start and test it and ensure that the system works correctly. Okay. So that's kind of a unique approach that we brought that is replacing or maybe let's say complementing the traditional approach of let's put the autonomous system on the vehicle and let's put a test driver in and let's start drive and hope that the test driver will do the right thing. Something that uh, three years ago or four years ago in Phoenix, when an Uber driven car ran over a pedestrian that crossed the road in the, really? the evening. Yeah. Uh, it was proven to be not the most efficient system. And, and that one was fully automated, that Uber it car? It was fully automated. So there was uh, no driver? The, there was a test there was driver, a driver that okay. his job was to really to take control in case of malfunction. That driver did what most of us are doing, which is looking uh, into his smartphone and playing with it. Didn't notice the pedestrian that was crossing. The wow. car did not identify the pedestrian. He was carrying a bicycle. Sure. It was she, actually. And actually they yeah this was wow. a fatality that's terrible yes wow so basically you're saying so in a sense here you know the way i see it is like you know back in the day you would always always see these models right of uh, of the ta uh, the crash test dummies right yeah. test crash dummies or whatever it's called where they're you know going against the wall and the airbags are popping yes and in a sense you guys are doing that but at a at a much more specific sense of identifying the world around you and being able yes. for the car to kind of say this is a person, this is a bike, this is a dog, this is whatever, exactly. this is how another car even, so not to run into that car. Is yeah. that? Yeah, we feed into simulation uh, different scenarios. Sure. We are like, think of our system as like the director, okay. right? Think of a movie and we are the director. We are placing a pedestrian here, we are placing the dog there, we are letting the autonomous dry, uh, car see all of these and see how it reacts. Now, what you need to remember is that for these systems, if, if it identifies a kid, which is a one and a half meter high, right. and wearing a blue t-shirt, it does not mean that it will identify a kid with a blue t-shirt that will be one meter high. Mm. No confidence. Right. You have to vary all these uh, entities in the world around you in order to increase your confidence in the safety of the system. Right. Like there are a lot of variables you guys have to look at. Yes. Wow. So in, it's that's you know very unique. I love also the name Fortelix. I, I was going to just tell you that you should change it to Director, it sounds like. <laughs> you know, or, or Directorix, right? Um, but I love the idea of Fortelix because you guys, in a sense, are looking forward and you're foretelling yeah. almost to the car what the car needs to recognize so that it doesn't do any of the things that it would do in exactly. your worst situation. Yes. So, you know, this is obviously very unique. Uh, I think this is, you know, something that a lot of people also in the autonomous driving space don't really think about, right? Or, or when you hear autonomous cars, you know, or, or, or these self-driving cars, you don't think that this is something that needs to happen. You're just like, okay, like put the put the chip in the car and, you know, let's go, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and I think it's really unique. 
Now, one of the things that you guys are kind of pioneering, if, if I may say, is ADS, right? Could you explain a little bit about what is ADS? So ADS is the acronym for uh, Automated Driving System. Okay. Okay. And there is an ADS and there is an ADAS, okay. which is Automated Driving Assistance System. Mm -hmm. Okay. So in today's car, in most of the cars today, the new car, you will already find many ADAS systems, like uh, Automatic Emergency Braking where if the system recognized an object in front of you, it will break. Sure. Right? Or adaptive cruise control, uh -huh. which uh, identifies the cars in front of you. If, in, if they, if they yeah. slow down or accelerate, they will adapt uh, sure. accordingly. A lane keeping system, which identify the marking of the lanes sure. and keep you Like a mobile eye, if you will. Uh, yeah. Okay. Mobile, sure. Well, mobile eye, uh, initially it's a warning system. Okay. But uh, today you can find systems that are also controlling your steering to keep you okay. in lane. So all these assume that you have a v you have a driver and they are helping the driver. Okay. The ADS are really the system that are taking over uh, the drive, replacing the driver. Uh, today you already have a commercial system introduced by Mercedes. It's called the uh, ALKS, Automated Lane Keeping System. Okay, And right. uh, it's, uh, it's uh, targeted at highways only, a sim more simplistic environment. Sure. And really, you can turn it on in Germany, and uh, then uh, you are relieved from the responsibility of a driver as long as it is operating on the highway. What it will do is very simplistic. It will keep you in lane, keep you in speed, and uh, that's it. But you if, guys are like going much beyond that. Yeah, well, our, our system, our testing and development system is really intended for way more complicated environment and way more, uh, way more complicated system that will replace you completely in urban environments, highways, everywhere. The so-called level four or level five of autonomous driving. And why, let's say, are the big guys, you know, the big car manufacturers not really doing this right now? Is it just not in their interest? They don't have the time for it? Or? Uh, what, do you, what do you mean not doing this? Every big guy is developing some sort of an autonomous car. Right, no, but I'm saying why not, you know, you're saying like Mercedes has a lane keeping system and this one has, you know, uh, the, the cruise control. But you guys are, I mean, are much more of a comprehensive whole outlook of this trying to automate yeah, you know, the exactly. whole system and so, cruise control lane keeping doesn't matter why are we not seeing that at a larger scale in this sense excellent question and what you see here is evolution okay okay you have two types of uh, manufacturers in this market okay one uh, one type is the classical names that you know whether this is volvo mercedes yeah. uh, gm ford insert generic and, uh, car name here yeah, yeah okay. and those are people that have been for years manufacturing classical cars they have very well structured development processes okay and they need somehow to adjust them to some new environment where the car is actually a software-defined car. Got you. You have a group of new players. These are mostly in Silicon Valley and in U.S. companies like Zoox, Aurora, Waymo, which okay. is a, a daughter company of Google. Right. They are starting from scratch from the software. They have tons of software engineers. Okay. And they develop their own internal testing system. Got you. Our main engagement today is mostly with the classical OEMs. Okay. And we actually helping them also with the transition of the mindset and the work methods evolving from 
testing systems and safety methods that were evolved in the 60s right. of last year, right. the happy 60s, right? right, right? right. Uh, into modern world of software-defined uh, cars and validating the functionality of these softwares. So, so these guys are much more your partners then? Uh, we are partnering more strongly with these guys. They need more help, let's put it uh, this okay. way. Now then, I expect that there will be another phase of evolution, and this is convergence of method. The reason I'm expecting it sure. is because in my previous life in the semiconductor industry, right. uh, we have observed the same evolution where when you started with chips, everyone was doing his own things, right. and then it converged to some common methods. Okay. So we are accelerating this evolution. Uh, one of the things that we did is we developed a language to describe those scenarios, sure. like we are the directors, right? Right, right, right? So how do you give instructions? You describe the scenario, and we just, uh, we invested about three years in uh, com uh, incorporating this language into being an industry standard. And what's it called? Open Scenario 2.0. Nice. Yeah, okay. very nice name. In July, it got the official stamp of uh, being recognized as a world uh, standard by a, a German standardiz or European standardization consortium called ASAM, A-S-A-M. That's huge. Yes, That's a it's a deal. huge win for, for Telix and for the industry And so overall. this is now going to be basically in any self-driving automated car? It's not in the car. It's okay. in the manufacturer as part of the development process. Got you. This is a okay. way to uh, articulate the situations and scenarios that you want to test that uh, self-driving cars. So. And what's unique about the language, or one of the things that's unique about them, is you give a base description and you give a range of variation, like we talked about the Right, like one meter, one and a half meter, two meters, Exactly. Whatever, okay. So you can vary the kid from 50 centimeters to two and a half meters. Blue shirt, green <laughs> Blue shirt, shirt, yellow green shirt. shirt yeah. And exercise okay. uh, the vehicle with a lot of simulations. So this way you are increasing your safety confidence in okay. the vehicle. And so there's basically, I mean, in that sense, you have unlimited variables that you can test, right? Uh, you can really do yeah, anything. Well, yeah, we call it the infinity challenge. Okay. You have infinity, an infinite number of scenarios that such a system can meet okay okay think about you i don't know if you are driving the electric scooter here in the room or if you are driving a car i won't, I won't okay. get into the details in case anyone has any uh, you know uh, <laughs> yeah <biases>. exactly <laughs> but i'm sure that every time you're coming to this studio you are cursing someone in the middle right yeah. uh, on your way right <laughs> I, I shouldn't tell you what happened today <laughs> yeah exactly so all these behaviors uh, we need to exercise them right so tons of scenarios and yes, the only way is to vary them and use a lot of randomization in order to create situations that you never experienced before. Wow, that's really interesting, I have to yeah. tell you. One of the things also that I, I, I really love about what you're trying to do is actually create this kind of standard. Because you know, one of the things that I always like to say, you know, I, I come from a marketing and branding background, and I always say, it's how can you get yourself in the right spaces and, and also package your idea in a way that other people can take it. And the idea that you kind of created the standardized language of sorts to kind of, you know, make the whole, you know, testing procedure better and, and making sure that you're actually getting the right kind of safety measurements. I mean, that's huge. That's amazing. And that's like a great branding move on your guys' mm -hmm. part. So I love it. <laughs> um, you know, one thing that you, you kind of mentioned is this, is this move, right, to this convergence. Yes. So what do you see kind of as trends right now? you know, in, we can call it the automotive space in general, but I'd even just more specifically ask in the kind of self-driving space um, beyond the convergence. Yeah. So uh, I think uh, we do see 
the realization that there needs to be more emphasis on safety. Uh, I don't know if you want me to bash uh, some specific companies, uh, especially U.S. companies that are making electric car and are becoming notorious for unsuccessful system that they are putting on the road. Well, I was going to say it's your lawsuit, not mine. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you do see that both regulators and uh, different uh, authorities are putting a lot more emphasis on testing and putting boundaries uh, to the manufacturers before they put it on the road. Okay. This is These are some of the lessons being taken from uh, the U.S. where over there the system does not enable putting such boundaries. Okay. Okay. Uh, even here in Israel, uh, the Ministry of Transport uh, just uh, put out some regulation to enable testing of uh, level four systems okay. or uh, robo taxis. Sure. And the, they require a lot of proof that a lot was tested okay. before they will give the permission to start these experiments on the road with a test driver. Well, that's very good, at least, yeah. to know that the governments, in certain in certain areas at least, are trying to give us this whole ad additional kind of safety understanding. Yes. But, like, beyond that, you know. So what you see is also, you can, if you look at the manufacturers, uh, the different companies, uh, you see that they are struggling but understand that they need to their, to change their work methods okay this level of change and understanding is varying between a different one just for example Volkswagen CEO uh, was replaced about two months ago I think okay and one of the reason was that over the uh, one the last year and a half they changed their org structure on what to do with EV and in uh, automated driving okay. uh, a lot of time. It was a big mess, sure. so now they're still trying to put this in order. You see manufacturers co uh, collaborating. You see collaboration between semiconductor companies and traditional OEMs like Mercedes-Benz wow. are partnering with NVIDIA. NVIDIA really? are expect yeah it's public domain I'm not uh, well, no I didn't know I mean I'm just not you know I'm not a Mercedes okay. guy. BMW wow. are partnering with with Qualcomm. Interesting. Yeah, interesting names, yeah. right? The the names. It's also very interesting to see that you know kind of what was once considered you know much more of a you know manufacturer hardcore you know hard product is now kind of getting with the, you know the software guys exactly. you know in a much deeper way than before right not just having gps in your in your uh, car or bluetooth exactly. right you know but remember they still have to test the tires the brakes and everything right, right? That, stop. Uh, yeah, yeah. that doesn't stop right. okay they have to they, it's just a, an expansion for these manufacturers and this is why they go through a transition okay as they go through the transition each one is uh, deciding on his own methods on how to do it and uh, some of them are relying on internally developed solution. Okay. With time, you start to see that they realize that they need to use externally developed solution and adapt common methods because their supply chain sure. is adapting these uh, common methods. For sure, for yeah. sure. So Very that's kind of the evolution of the overall industry. And we are... Uh, Catching your ride with this I was going to say, you guys are like jumping in right at the good time, yeah, I would exactly. say. So, you know, that being said, what was like your biggest challenge, you know, when it came to, you know, not just developing Fortelix, which I'm sure there were countless, you know, but what was it in terms of getting it recognized? Because to me, that sounds like you guys have a very yeah. big kind of market education barrier to do there. You know, it's not something that's the easiest thing to just be like, hey, guys, 
you know, use our, our new language to test your automated driving systems, right? Everyone wants it, you know, um, especially when you're kind of talking in this world of, you know, where you guys kind of are at this convergence of also regulatory stuff and the automated driving yeah. system, which no one wants to think about regulations and compliance, you know? So I think we had few challenges and uh, I think most of them, we conquered them quite successfully. Okay. One was to understand whom we are talking to. Okay. Two was to learn the language and the lingo. Okay. Right. In order to do that, you, f you first have to convince yourself that you don't know the language and the lingo, and first you have to listen. So mm. you go to some conferences, etc., and you learn the language and the lingo. And you were going to like conferences, like you know, auto manufacturing con conferences or o autonomous vehicles, technologies. Autonomous vehicles? Okay. And yeah, there are a few of them, sure. and uh, yes, you go there, and you understand what they are talking about and how they are talking about. Sure. You try to understand and uh, learn what are where are the uh, center of gravity, okay. which are Europe, US, some in Japan, though they are behind okay. on autonomous. And then you you need to start and penetrate and introduce yourself. Okay. And one of the ways for us to do it was uh, we decided very early that our way into the market will be not by offering a proprietary language, but we really we okay. have to push it into being a standard. Okay. Otherwise, no one will bet on a, this small startup uh, from Israel. Right. Uh, so we started to participate in those uh, activities of this uh, standardization consortium. Okay. And you know, the first time you drive, uh, you go to Munich, you sit in a room with 120 automotive engineers and uh, you are there, so you keep silent. But in the next meeting, you understand that if you want to push your language, you have to say something. Right. And you this have to is use your language. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right? And this is where we started to say something. Okay. Uh, and in fact, uh, our CTO and founder, Joav Hollander, was very successful in introducing the concepts sure. and the challenges. Okay. And people started to listen to him and to us as well. So there was good feedback from the industry, There was basically. good feedback. And in fact, uh, during the standard development process, it was more of an iterative process where we learned from them and we enhanced the language. And uh, the end product, of course, the end standard is uh, much better and much uh, fitted to the market. Sure, and you and you guys were basically using some of these manufacturers then to kind of like beta your product a little yeah, bit. Exactly. Okay. You partner with them. They they are your initial partners. Uh, I must also indicate that uh, there was a, an accelerator in Tel Aviv. It's called uh, uh, Drive TLV. Okay. They are specifically on uh, automotive startups. They also helped us in uh, getting introductions to initial to. OEMs sure. and, uh, and expose us, and some of our um, main partnership also evolved uh, from that from, from that one. Oh wow! So they helped. Okay. Uh, they definitely helped a lot. Well, that's huge. That's also something good to see that also the incubator system is actually helping you too. Because yes. sometimes a lot of people, you know, they have mixed reviews of the incubator system. So it's very cool to see that this you actually is got a, an incubator that was established by the OEMs. They, I think, Honda and Volvo and okay. some others are the main founders oh, right. of this uh, this incubator in Tel Aviv. Yeah. Well, that that's funny. Now you know, it's also funny that you mentioned here too that you said the Japanese are kind of behind. I think that on autonomous, they are behind. And I very interesting because you know how like it changed. That's like a change based on how it's been it's for like, change, like 30 years. But, almost. Uh, I think uh, I, I can give you my own impression. on Please. Why. Yeah. So this is really based on their work method, which is very structured okay. and does not allow a lot of room for innovation and thinking out of the box. And th again, that's my personal impression. Yeah, yeah. And I can give you one example. 
Uh, I'm participating in regulatory forum. There is a worldwide uh, regulatory forum. Okay. And uh, as part of it, there was a discussion, okay, what is a base, base list of scenarios that we want the manufacturers to use? And okay. the Japanese came with a method, very structured method. You look at the car, you position the car 16 places around it, you vary them a little, and everything very structured uh, with formulas and all. Okay. Okay, then we came with some of our scenarios and I presented one of our scenarios with you drive on the highway and unfortunately a car is driving towards you. Okay. They were shocked. Their system never even not, thought about that. Could not have produced such a scenario. Really? As a result, there was a, a two or a two month discussion in that forum should these kind of scenarios where there is a violation of the traffic rules will be allowed in the the central library that they are trying to create and you just and you guys just suggested this right like this is just come we suggested it because it was part of the scenarios that we thought about them as you need them for a baseline sure. and you you hear and you see in movies all those drunk drivers that are taking the on ramp in the in the wrong direction etc right i mean yeah you know i have to be real with you i've heard of even uh, situations close to home where things like that have happened and it hasn't <laughs> yeah. ended very well you know yeah. so that's amazing that you guys are actually thinking about that and like in a sense that the Japanese didn't even think about that shows a very you're right I mean it shows kind of this lack of innovation it's so funny because you know coming from America all I've heard for the last 30 years is how American auto manufacturers are way behind the curve you know what I mean? That they're not even close to catching up. And now you're kind of saying it's the opposite. It's almost Well, I, so the Japanese are very good on the mechanics and uh, sure. everything. Okay. On the autonomous driving, I think personally that they are behind. Okay. If you look at the U.S., I wouldn't say that uh, GM and Ford are leading. Yeah, okay. <laughs> because, but uh, the Silicon Valley companies, sure. Waymo and the Zooks and Aurora that I mentioned earlier, uh, I think they are uh, leading in uh, innovation and in coming up with the right systems. They still have to do some catch up on safety. Okay. I think I did not mention Tesla, and when I said safety, uh, it triggered me to say yeah, yeah, Tesla. You know. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, it's interesting. You know, do you have anything to say about Tesla that you can say? I mean, so I think uh, I don't have to say because the U.S. authorities finally are starting to say it, okay. uh, and also the EU uh, authorities. In the EU, Tesla is not allowed to market its uh, full self-driving self system. Because the it's not tested? FSD. No, because it's not full self-driving. Oh, okay. Okay. Uh, this so system, it's actually bad marketing in that sense. It's uh, well, it's good sense. marketing in the US. You know, if you are um, driving around in the, in the Silicon Valley, every second or third car is a Tesla. Right, sure. Right? right? Uh, you see it less in, in Europe. Uh, this is a system which uh, Tesla is marketing it as autonomous driving, while actually it relies on a driver being available and alert okay. and ready to take over. And this is really the mismatch. And people are stretching the capabilities of this system. The failures are very famous. You sure. know, one of the famous crashes is a Tesla running in, into a trailer that was uh, lying on the road sideways. Wow. And it couldn't recognize such a big object and stop. Right. And you are asking yourself, how come? Right. right? But it's because the variables weren't there. It wasn't tested properly. Uh, exactly. Okay. And uh, some of the software in these uh, systems is based on machine learning and AI. And these systems are somewhat unpredictable. If they uh, meet something that they were not trained on, it's not always you cannot always predict what will be the reaction of the system interesting now we're 
looking at the future of autonomous driving, where yeah. do you hope, uh, you know, Fortelix is getting to? You know, obviously, amazing work that you guys have been able to do in terms of getting to a standard, but yet there's so much more to be done in this space, clearly. Yes. Where do you hope to see Fortelix go? So I think, uh, again, when I'm looking uh, around myself, I, I think we are starting to see the snowball started to rolling. Okay. Okay. You know, we have been in a, around for four years. Our brand recognition within the industry, I think it's great. Okay. Everyone uh, knows uh, about us. Uh, we are in uh, different stages of engagement uh, with the major players. Okay. And I do see that the understanding of a need for a large, huge scale simulation testing, based sure. testing, is there. It's also being introduced into the regulatory environment. Okay. Uh, so I think that our solution will catch up uh, significantly in the next uh, two, three years, and we will become the de facto industry standard, not just for the language, but also for the software that is utilizing this language to the maximum. Awesome. That's huge. And that's yeah. a big move forward. I mean, it also is amazing to think that out of the little t country, Israel could end up creating this global standard for the next way we all drive, basically. Um, yeah. Now... We're getting towards the end of the interview, and I always like to ask people what, you know, as an entrepreneur, what is your advice for other entrepreneurs? But in your case, because you're in a very innovative space, I'd like to actually understand a little bit more where, you know, if someone is at home right now listening to this, uh, this interview, trying to figure out the next startup they're going to build or whatever they want to do next, what is your advice in terms of maybe getting involved in the automotive space right now? Where's the opportunity and how can you get involved? Uh... I'm not sure I'm the best person qualified uh, to answer this one. You're the best one in the room right now. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess. I, my intuition, if you are thinking about a problem or if you are thinking about a startup, you should have solid answers to two primary questions. One is, what problem am I solving? Can I define the problem? And second, who will pay money for the solution? Only if you have solid answers for these two questions, then start, <laughs> start your journey. Until you have the answers, keep, uh, keep looking for questions. <laughs> keep your day job. <laughs> yeah. yeah, for sure. Yeah. All right. Well, Gil, listen, it was a really interesting conversation. I definitely love having these types of innovative conversations with people like yourself who are in these very you know, groundbreaking fields. So I really wish you and the team at Fortelix a lot of luck with everything that you guys are doing. It sounds like you don't need luck. It sounds like everything's moving in your in your right future, and I appreciate you coming on the show. And as always, if people are listening at home, you know, please, uh, you know, uh, subscribe, follow, and if you would like to listen to any other episodes, uh, please do so. You can find us on our channel, on Apple, on Spotify, and uh, on uh, social media. So thank you so much, Gil. Thank you. It was a pleasure.